right. Welcome back. We are here with episode three of the Make Shop podcast. And today I, Megan, will be interviewing Anusha so we can learn a little bit more about her, her business and kind of how she got to where she is today. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Hi, Megan. Hi. Um, We are really excited because the program that we use to record these now allows us to see each other on video. So it seems a little bit more natural to talk to one another and interview each other when you can actually see the person. Um, But good for you that you won't actually be able to see us. We're just recording the audio. Um, Maybe one day we'll take the leap to video and audio, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. (laughs) I was going to say, or you can make like funny faces or funny expressions. If I say something crazy, you can just like give me the side eye or. (laughs) Yes, this is dangerous. (laughs) Um, We'll have to up our game. I think we're, we're at the speed of one interview per month. Um, So we probably need to get a little bit more frequent on the audio before we take on video too. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's just start at the very beginning um, and kind of take this from the ground up, if you will. Do you mind giving us a brief introduction, um, your name, your company name, and and what your business does? So uh, my name is Anusha, Anusha Mudli, and uh, I own Talisa Naturals. And I formulate and create bath and body products that are holistic um, all natural. And when I say holistic, I mean, it's good for the body and mind. Um, yeah, that's what I do. What did you do before you started making bath and beauty products? I was an occupational therapist. (laughs) What's your occupation, occupational therapist do? So, so interesting, right? So I um, I worked in a rehab facility and the goal of um, occupational therapists in that setting was to help patients gain their independence. Um, so I would see a lot of stroke patients and, you know, one of my main goals was to get them independent with personal care, bathing, dressing, teaching them how to reuse their body since, you know, after having strokes um, or hip replacements. When you're having a hip replacement, I'll teach you how to maintain safe precautions so that you don't mess up what the surgeon's done while your body's healing. Um, and it was, it was all about um, just, again, teaching somebody to gain their independence from scratch, really. Did that influence your desire to make like the self-care products? Was that related or what, what got you into um, or what caused to you? To some extent, yes, because I did – Well, here's the thing. With occupational therapy in general, we have a very holistic view. So we always look at somebody as mind and body, not just, okay, someone has a stroke, let's focus on their arms and get them to use their arms. But we also take a look at, okay, how is it affecting them cognitively, psychologically? I also had worked in mental health for a while um, and saw how little activities like um, with teenagers, like putting makeup on made such a difference um, to their mood, um, to their self-esteem in those sessions. And so a lot of occupational therapy played in uh, to when I started formulating products and, you know, yeah. When did you launch your first product or first line of products? 
Are we going back um, 2017? And were you still working at that point? I was working uh, PRN, which means per request needed. So on an as-needed basis. Um, so it was pretty much a side hustle. Um, and again, I, I had, a, I had uh, Mia at the time. She was... Yeah, it was about 18 months. So it was very much not a lot of time put in. I can't <laughs> imagine time working towards it. <laughs> um, and so I, I would say that I was kind of like a in between like a hobby and a company. And I kind of waited till uh, the kids were older because I realized it was just really tough jug- juggling it all. Um, but I knew that I would continue uh, once the kids were older. And what was your first product? What was the first thing you made? First, first thing uh, was bath bombs. <laughs> what made you want to make a bath bomb? Why was that your first thing? Well, I think it was one of my favorite things to use. Oh, I looked at it as a, as a really, really beneficial self-care treat. Um, and I wanted it to have a uh, qualities or benefits that would help me relax and also make me feel good. It was easy to make, easy to use. Um, and it was just one of those things that really just helped me sort of recharge. And so if I had made a nice bath bomb for myself, I'd be like, okay, so I have, this is when I'm starting out, you know, I have, I made this bath bomb and I'm going to set it aside for this day to have my, this you know, bath, extra long bath, um, because I had gone through uh, postpartum depression and anxiety when I first had Mia and didn't want to talk about it. Ended up having my pediatrician, actually Mia's pediatrician, be kind of like my counselor. (laughs) And we really kind of talked about the importance of me taking a time out. And so between my husband and I, we were able to figure out, okay, how, you know, ways that I could carve out time. Um, and so it started off with just, okay, here's my bath bomb. Here's my bath. It's going to be an extra long bath. Please do not disturb. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love bath bomb. And it's funny that that was your first product because you don't make the traditional bath bomb anymore, do you? No, I don't. Because I found that, um, you know, bath bombs come in at the time, came in this average sort of five inch ball that everybody purchase. So it was everywhere. It was, it was easy to get the molds. Uh, not many people or companies were even using smaller ones. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go with the standard bath bomb. But then I realized that it was so much, like it, it may be too much for one bath. And they, I was trying to think of, okay, well, how can I cut this in half? Or how can I make it last longer for people? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why eventually down the line, I came up with the bath fizzy bars, right? So you could just break off as much as you want, but have it have enough um, oil in it so that your skin gets hydrated and feels hydrated. I also love that the bath fizzy bars are moisturizing and actually bubble because bath bombs typically don't bubble and I love a bubble bath. So it's the perfect combination (laughs) for me and not something that's easily found elsewhere. So Right. I, I love how you kind of transitioned um, from the bath bomb to the bath fizzy bar. 
So you said you were doing this on the side, working full time, momming full time. Um, how and when did you like formally launch the business? I would say I formally launched um, towards a, a year later, about a full year later, around 2018. And I was initially branded as Sanctuary. <laughs> um, I by then I had. I had taken a, a certification course on how to produce um, natural products. I had taken uh, essential oil courses because uh, I wanted to make sure that I was making something that would be safe on somebody's skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt confident then, sort of within that year between 2017 and 2018, to actually um, formulate, develop, and then launch a product line. Yeah, because, I mean, this isn't food. You're not digesting the product, but it is coming into contact with people's skin, and I can see where that would be kind of scary, and you wanted to make sure you were doing it correctly. Correctly, yeah. I'm I'm absolutely – I mean, here's the thing. I <clears throat> When I formulated as well, I had a toddler, and I was always worried about – you know, I always say they have, like, toddlers always want to kill themselves <laughs> – well, they were getting into everything. And I kept thinking to myself, well, what if they got into my body butter? Mm-hmm. What if they got into my body scrub? Yep. And so I wanted it to be safe and natural. Um, and I wouldn't be freaking out so much if Mia was getting into a job, body butter. Yeah, toddler proofing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> toddler proof your product. I gotcha. <laughs> no, that makes total sense. So um, how did you think to take a course? Like where would I wouldn't even think to do that? There's actually a lot of um, online schools that are accredited. Um, I took a course with the School of Natural Skin Care. They're based out in the UK. I couldn't find at the time a good um, equivalent, meaning that I only had a certain amount of time and hours to dedicate to learning. And so this just worked out perfectly for me. Um, There were definitely some schools that were also based in the UK that were a little bit more intense uh, or time intensive. And so um, that's how I ended up making my decision. I would have just never thought to, to do that, but that's so smart. Um, and when you launched, how, where were you? Where did you sell or how did you sell or how did you get the word out? So I initially, oh my goodness, that is such a good question because I can't, oh yes. Okay. So I was hustling, so I was nowhere. I had friends. Friends were buying for me, so it all started off, you know, with the friends and family, which were fantastic, supporting me. And then afterwards, it sort of, I realized, oh my goodness, I don't, I'm not really anywhere after the initial, you know, friends and family phase. And that's when I started reaching out to um, wholesale platforms and then um, to small, other small businesses, local businesses. Did you have an online store? I mean, was that a part of the original launch at all? I had an, I did have an online store, but I didn't um, know at the time how much traffic I would need to actually get an organic sale. So Again, you have to grow your audience a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you know, it takes 
or you pay for traffic and I just couldn't pay for, I just couldn't pay for it. So when you launched like beyond the friends and family phase, what products did you have? What, what constituted your line? So at the time I had taken a break from bath bombs because I was getting a lot of feedback from people saying, oh, I don't take baths. I take showers. And so I was like, well, what if I could make a bath bomb equivalent for the shower? And I tell you the trial and error making, I decided to make shower steamers and I had made like maybe 20, 25 batches over time or trials to actually get to where I am today. So when I did launch, it was eventually shower steamers Mm -hmm. and it was body butter and body scrub. That was it. Okay. So you would, you would next the bath bomb, which is what got you started on this journey. Yes. I had nixed the bath bomb because people were saying, oh, it's nice, but I, <laughs> I usually take showers. Yeah. And they were buying bath bombs for Christmas, but I didn't see anything else happen beyond. Gotcha. Yeah. You can't, a business can't survive on holiday sales. I mean, holiday sales are great. And <laughs> we they're know that, yeah. They are very important, but you can't sustain a business year long solely on holiday sales. And if people keep saying the same thing over and over to you, it's like, okay, you need to, like, I needed to stop and really take a look at what the market was saying, what people were saying. Um, Were you aware of any shower steamers on the market at that time? No. I hadn't seen any in any boutique stores. Um... I knew there was, so there's a company out in Oregon called Brambleberry and they had a recipe for a shower steamer. Um, But the funny thing was I hadn't even looked online or it was the, it was the personal feedback, the people actually talking to me Mm -hmm. that told me like, Hey, this is what I need. And so for me, after finding that recipe, I, had a sort of a base idea, which is very similar to making bath bombs, and then just made, like I said, 20, 25 trials to get to where I wanted it to be gotcha. after making and testing. But again, it was just people telling me, I don't take showers. I mean, I'm, I don't take baths. I take showers. So yeah. Yeah. Sometimes customer feedback is incredibly helpful. And like you're saying, when you hear the same things over and over and over again, that's when it's really important to take note. Um, because it's not just a one-off, it's clearly a trend or a, yeah. Or a need, right? A need. It's like, oh, this would be so nice to have something for the shower. And they didn't even know it was a shower steamer. They didn't even know what it was that they wanted. They just knew they wanted the bath bomb for the shower. Right. Right. That's really cool. Um, so how do you, how does one use a shower steamer? Like what, how does that work? Well, so let me explain. So let me put it in context. Your um, bath bomb, your regular bath bomb, is made with less essential oil because it comes in contact with your skin and you're sitting in, you know, you're going to be sitting in your tub for a long time. And so, you know, essential oils are very powerful oils. And so you need to use the right amount if you're going to soak in it. So shower steamers have a huge, have a much higher concentration of essential oils. One, because you want the essential oil to actually evap- well, disperse into the air. And so you can actually get, and 
get the scent of the shower steamer. So basically how you use it is get your shower steamy first. I always tell people, well, you know, while you're undressing, turn your shower on, get it nice and steamy. And then you can place your shower steamer just at the edge of the direct stream of water. So don't place it smack in the middle. Some people just like, oh, I put it in the back. You know, it dissolves too quickly. You want to make it last because mm-hmm. my shower steamers can last between two or three two or three showers, depending on the size of your shower. Uh, but I always tell them to place it at the either on your shower ledge, bath ledge, where water can just um, just touch it. As soon as you see it start activating, which uh, as soon as you start seeing it fizz, then you know it's working, and you don't need to you don't need to add more water. Um, and then you'll find that you'll just smell whichever scent you know you chose and feel like you're in a spa (laughs) you do and I pick it up like once it's filled my shower with scent I pick it up and put it in my like soap holder because there's no reason for it to continue to dissolve it's already done its job it's filled my shower with lavender in my case because it's the only (laughs) one I can like I just can't give up the (laughs) lavender it's so effective at calming me down um so for me, although I've tested all of your scents, I always go back to lavender. Um, so yeah, once it's just, you know, once you've got the scent, your shower filled with the scent, there's no reason to allow it to continue to right. dissolve. Um, you, so, you know, the other thing I, I want to mention is um, sourcing oh and gosh. sourcing essential oils. <laughs> I don't even know how one goes about that. Like I can only imagine my Google search. Lavender essential oils. <laughs> I mean, the, the nice thing was that, you know, I took this course and, you know, I was, they gave you a list of reputable um, suppliers in the U.S. And so it was relatively easy for me. Um, however, you, I had to still test the scents because, um, you know, some scents can arrive diluted. Some scents are imported from other countries and they don't have the same notes. <laughs> and so again, it was a, it was a testing process um, to make sure that the oil was pure essential oil, number one, and that we were getting the, 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 the authentic scent coming mm-hmm. from it. So yes, um, you can do a Google search. <laughs> I don't think that I would recommend But it that. takes a lot of testing if you, you know, you're going to do a Google search. Yes. Cause I mean, you have to make sure that the, the scent is like you're saying pure and to that it smells like what you want it to smell like. Cause I would imagine even though lavender sounds very standard that you could order lavender essential oils from multiple different vendors and it would smell distinct. And there's so different. many different types of lavender too. Oh, know? I didn't know that. And so it just <laughs> depends on what lavender, you know, what scent you want to like, what scent I, you know, wanted my, want you or somebody else to experience when they try one of my, one of my products. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I also just, like to, <laughs> I just assumed to, lavender was lavender. Now we're getting way, oh godness. Okay. And then also to make sure that, you know, the company that you're purchasing from has all the documentation for their essential oil so that you know that you're getting it from a, a good, safe, reputable supplier and that, you know, you're getting a quality um, oil. Yes. Okay, so we launched with shower steamers, body butter, and body scrub um, online, which, as you point out, I think so many people just think like, oh, I'll sell online. It'll be super easy. Um, Throw up a website. Um, 
And like the sales will come rolling in. And I think you raised a really good point, which is it's really hard to drive traffic to an online store and then to convert that traffic, even Mm -hmm. if you do manage to get the traffic into paying customers. And one thing I think that's especially hard in your case is I would imagine folks want to test the products Mm -hmm. Um, similar to candles. Like I don't know that I would trust my own presumption as to what lavender geranium, for example, smells like. Um, I will tell you that I think your products smell exactly like they do in my head when I read the scents. Um, But you don't know that until you smell them and you're like, Oh no, that does smell like lavender geranium. That's what I anticipated it smelling like. Um, and so I would imagine like for you, it's hard to sell body butter online because people want to test the body butter. They want to smell the shower right. steamers. They want to smell the back fizzy bar, whatever the case may be. So, um, selling online isn't easy because there's no like scratch and sniff feature. that would be really helpful um much the same way like candles I would imagine like I I can't buy candles online because unless I purchased it purchased it before I never know what that scent is supposed to smell like no matter what description you provide me right and and here's the thing and this is where um wholesale you know plays a part in the overall picture um of running a business because Having my products in retail stores helps people try, you know, gives people an opportunity to try the product. And then if they like it, they tell their friends who then maybe live out of state, come online and purchase. Um, so I've had a lot, I've had um, a lot of sales coming, you know, organic sales, just coming from referrals. Mm-hmm. Um or people on Instagram sharing their content and be like, hey, I tried this new product, you know? Yeah. But a lot of it was through initial, I mean, a lot of that stems from, you know, being in a store like yours, right? You, you have a great customer base. Um, and I've had customers contact me and say, hey, I found you at Park Story. I also think that provides a level of um, credibility or validation when they see you um, in a, in a brick and mortar or through some reputable third party platform, be it a brick and mortar, be it an online platform that is well known, whatever the case may be that offers some validation because it's kind of easy to throw up a website these days and folks Mm -hmm. don't necessarily know that they're going to get whatever it is that they've paid for. Um, So yeah, it does offer a level of validation. Similarly, I think social media does the same thing. If they can interact with you on social, there's a level of confidence that you're going to ship the product that they ordered um, right. because they talk to you online. Um, I, yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, I also give, I mean, I give customers the opportunity to uh, return product, you know, if they don't really like it or it doesn't match what they uh, perceive. Um, and the goal is there is to basically make sure that my customer is happy. So the option is there. And most of the time people don't return it because they're just, they're happy with the product. But again, it offers some like comfort level because there's an out for them. Um, yeah. 
And I would also imagine to your benefit or to your credit, the price point of your product makes it a little easier to take the chance. So like, right. You know, most of your stuff is, or all of your stuff is under $30. And so there's a little bit of like, well, if I hate it, I'm only out 15, 25 bucks. Right. It's not a huge expense. Um, and so that probably does help offset some of the risk that folks feel like is involved in online ordering. But then I can only imagine the like free returns offsets, whatever is remaining there. I can't believe that you do that. Um, you're that's, that's impressive. Um, okay. So you launched, you've grown through wholesale retail partnerships. Um, and that's been particularly helpful in terms of, um, business growth, but also kind of growing your own internal customer base. Um, what has been your biggest hurdle since launching? So many. <laughs> just one? <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm like, just one. <laughs> business is challenging. It is not easy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there. It is not easy. It is not for the faint-hearted. But if it's your passion and if it's what you want to do, you will find a way or you'll figure it out. Um, you know, you and I bounce off between each other. So, um, so I'd say, honestly, my biggest hurdle, and I wouldn't say biggest, but it's a consistent hurdle, mm-hmm. <laughs> is trying to grow. Because you're always um, trying to grow your business. I'm always trying to grow my business. So doing outreach whether it's emailing different stores or um, trying to get on a different wholesale platform. Um, But for the most part, it's emailing stores and getting, you know, rejection. Yep. (laughs) If you're lucky, if they're, if you're lucky, they tell you no, otherwise they just don't respond. Or you get into their spam folder and then you try and try and try and then you're like, okay, I've got to put that aside and let's try somebody else or try DMing, which is not my first, uh, you know, option. I just prefer to write an email. So, so that's it for me. It's just constantly trying to grow my business and, um, I'm focusing on wholesale. And so that's why for me, it's important for me to, to email, um, boutique stores and retailers and, um, hope that somebody bites each time. <laughs> I get what you're saying though. Cause I feel like the growth is an ever moving target I think in business, we're particularly bad at this. Like we set these targets for ourselves. I want to do, I want to achieve X. I want to, I want to have a monthly revenue of Y. I want to get in this publication. I want to collaborate with these brands and we do them. Like we manage to get into a publication or we manage to collaborate with the brands we respect or we, we do whatever it is that we set out to do, but then we fail to like acknowledge that we did that and we move the benchmark like yes. 20 yards down the yes. road and then we're like, well, I've never, I haven't done anything. I haven't achieved anything. Look how small I am. Look what I like, look what I still need to do to grow. So I think that's a really great point because no matter how small or how big you are or how far you've come, mm-hmm. you continually move that benchmark like down the line. And so it's a constant struggle because we, in some respects, we make it one, but also I think like that's what makes us 
like have a shot at this because you can't give up. Like you can never just be satisfied and check off a box that you did X one time. Like you have to continue to work um, to get into additional, you know, news media outlets. You have to continue to work to get into new stores. You have to continue to work to grow your Instagram audience or your, your traffic right. to your online store or your foot traffic or into your brick and mortar, however you want to do those things. Like you have to continue to work at it. And so, yeah, that is kind of a, like, as you said, a perfect constant struggle that never kind of goes away, but you can't let it go away. Cause if you did, then business. If you did, you, I mean, yeah. I mean, business is so unpredictable, right? Business is so unpredictable. We know that. And I mean, I mean, you have to be able to create a situation where if one day you want to give yourself a paycheck you need to be able to create a way and bring in business that gives you reliable revenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that comes the constant moving of reaching out and, you know, that whole goal of trying to grow your business. It has to, you know, like you said, it's a constant moving goal and you've got to keep working at it so that we can, reach the long-term goals that we've set out for ourselves and our businesses. How much um, time do you spend making versus how much time do you spend on the, like the reaching out and the admin and the whatever? Cause I think a lot of folks get into businesses, especially like you or candles or um, things. Cause they love to make, like they like yes. the process of making the product. And then, so then they're like, Oh, let's turn this into a business. I'm curious as to how much time you spend on the business side versus the making side. So I spend 20% of my time making. <laughs> She's laughing. Um, no. So initially I would say, I would say it was 50% time over the last year making my product mm-hmm. and um, 50% doing the marketing. Um, but the goal this year is to get down to 20% of making. And what that requires is me, is me getting help mm-hmm. to make product because it's just me. And so um, getting that down to 20% because I want to have my hand in making some limited edition products uh, and small sort of small runs, small batch runs. But 80%, I want 80% of that time to be marketing, growing, making connections. Because if I don't have that aspect going or focus on that aspect, I won't have a business. Because I could make all day, right? I have so many ideas in my head. I just want to make, make. And I have all these like formulations and I want to make masks and I want to get them designed beautifully. But I could have a beautiful product. But if I'm not marketing and reaching out to people and sharing my product with people and showing them and saying, hey, have you seen this? Mm-hmm. It's just not a business. It's a hobby, right? Yeah. I need to work on getting the admin time down and up my marketing time. I spend for the shop so much time on email and admin and backend work and just mm-hmm. like keeping the shop afloat, getting product yeah. on the shelves, getting them online, getting them tagged, you know, cleaning upkeep in the shop, ma- making sure we have shopping bags and tissue paper and stickers and shipping boxes and 
God knows whatever else the shop requires. And then on top of that, like vendor management, um, paying bills, just all of that sort of stuff. Right. I need to work on getting that down. And that is something I've struggled to outsource in any capacity. Um, and like so, you're the, I mean, you're the, we have to look at it as you're the face of the business. Yeah. And, you know, people want to see you, people want to hear from you. So while you're doing your research, your uh, outreach, you know, hire help to be working in the store yep. um, to get all those other little things done. And it's the same thing for me. It's looking at, okay, how can I eventually sometime this year get help with shipping? Because shipping product takes a lot of time. You know, it's so much time, so much time, um, more than actually making a product. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Um, and so me looking at maybe, you know, hiring somebody or looking at maybe a fulfillment center, just small business fulfillment center. Those are things that are running in the back of my mind. Okay. Because at the, cause at the end of, at the end of it all, I want to be able to focus on that marketing and grow that business. You know, that's smart because no one can do that as well as you can. Um, but you can, it's much easier to outsource the making and the shipping yeah. and the fulfillment than it is to outsource the marketing. And like, sometimes you have to let those things go, right? Cause if you see if your business is stagnant <laughs> and you say, my business is stagnant because I just don't have time because of X, Y, and Z. Okay. Then you need to look at, okay, how are you going to get help with X, Y, and Z? Do you remember you, when I was once overwhelmed and I was like, I have to do make all these shower steamers and I have to clean the house and I have to cook and I have to. And then you said to me, get help with cleaning the house. And guess what? I got help. And <sighs> things are better. Yeah. yeah. Outsource, like, outsource the things that you don't have to do or you not doing is not detrimental to anyone. Right. Um, or things that you don't enjoy doing. Like I outsourced. One of the first things I ever did was outsource bookkeeping. Um, so I still pay all of my bills. I still handle, you know, remitting sales tax. I still handle, um, all of those things, but I don't spend any time in QuickBooks and I don't handle payroll and I don't, um, I don't reconcile things and I don't, you know, my bookkeepers do all of that. And it's a huge right. help. Um, yeah. cause it's, it's not a good thing for me to do and I don't enjoy doing it. Um, I have a hard time you probably do as well letting go of things because you want your hands on everything because as a small business, everything is reflective of you. Um, So it's hard to let things go um, and to know that mistakes are going to be made and that's okay in the learning process or um, people just aren't going to be able to talk to you about everything and that's okay. They will learn to, to talk to whoever it is they need to, to get whatever it is they need. But yeah, the letting go is hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But But you have to do, yeah. As you do grow and you see a trend of like you growing. um, Yeah. You you have to let go of some things. Okay. I've got two more questions. I think you're like on the tip of answering this, but I'll ask it to see if you give me a full answer anyways. Um, where do you see yourself in like one to five years or see the business? Oh my goodness. Well, I would like to be, 
I set these yearly goals. So I'd like to be in um, 15 more wholesale stores. That's a big goal. It takes a long time to get to even one. <laughs> um, and then eventually, are we talking about a year? I have a five-year goal too. So I'm thinking. <laughs> What's your five-year goal? Honestly, so my five-year goal is to be at a point where I can I can hand off 80% of my production, which I'm not at right now, or even maybe 100%. So I would say 80 to 100 and then purely focus on growing. I know you think I'm crazy, but no, that's the goal. That's the goal is to, um, to just, to, you know, and when I say 80-20 and handing off 100%, Trust me, I'm going to be developing more products on the side because I because <laughs> I can't stop doing that. And so it's like, okay, I'll develop a product and now you can make it and let mm-hmm. me work on the next one. Yeah. It's not that you don't want to make anything. It's just you can't no. handle the production making. I, yeah, I, can, I, cannot, I cannot handle um, volume. And if I'm getting a ton of orders and it's just me right now, I'm seeing that this is just it's not going to be feasible in the long term. So I have to make a plan to be able to get help with production so that I can add more product and then also obviously scale and market. What is one thing you wish you'd known when you started or that like you would love to share with other businesses? Cause you, you wish you'd known. I wish somebody had sat me down and said, you are going to go on the biggest roller coaster ride of your life. And are you ready for it? Um, because as makers, we don't have that. We love making things and it's so enjoyable. Um, but we don't start off thinking like this is going to become a business, right? But then when it starts taking off and you get good feedback and you get uh you realize, okay, this could become a business or this could be become something. Um, then you're thrown into this foreign world of business, marketing, social media management. You know, you have to play all these roles. You have, I've had no experience with it whatsoever. So I was, you know, starting from scratch basically when it came to the business side and also just the legal aspects too. Mm-hmm. you know, all your licenses, even if I, you know, I am a homemaker, I have to get my license and I had to learn how to apply for that and like look at branding and trademarking and way mm-hmm. out of left field. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, so if somebody, you know, it would have been wonderful <laughs> if somebody sat me down and said, okay, great idea, but here's what you're going to have to go through first, you know? But would you have believed them? And would you have... That's such a good question. Would you have taken I, the warning? Would you have gone ahead and been like, no, it won't be that hard. It'll be great. I'll spend most of my time doing the making and I'll get a little bit of help with the admin. Like, I just try to imagine how I would have responded to a I comment like I, that. I think I probably would have taken like the legal stuff seriously. Like, you know, at least getting, you know, all the trademarks and the business and the business license and stuff. But you're right. I probably would have been like, oh, I can do the rest. I mean, what's a post here on Instagram and Facebook? Yeah. You know? 
So, because <laughs> in and of themselves, they're not that like individually, these tasks are not that difficult or that demanding. It's just trying to keep all of the balls up in the air all the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. And we forgot about photography too, right? So throw that in there while you're at it. So yes, outsource that. <laughs> Don't try to do that yourself. Just outsource it. I learned that. Yeah. And I'm fortunate um, that I don't try to do that by myself. There are a few things that I don't try to do by myself and bookkeeping and photography are them. Um, Okay. I would also say to people that if you're starting a business in a saturated market, the bath and body space is extremely saturated. Um, You know, Everyone talks about your niche and your audience. Figure out, yeah, figure out who you're going to sell to. But ultimately, the end of the day, you have to have perseverance and resilience. Mm-hmm. No matter what you're doing, no matter what product you sell, even if it is a saturated market, it boils down to that because you will not last if you don't persevere. That's great. And bounce back from any and bounce back from failure. So have resilience. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. So much failure. <laughs> <laughs> and people, a lot of people don't talk about the, the failure aspect of business, but yes. And, and failure is hard. Failure is difficult, but failure is also a learning lesson. And it's like, you get to that point as a business owner, do you accept the failure and just move away from it and start something new or you accept the failure, you learn from it and you take the next step forward. Yeah. It's so hard though. It's so hard. But that's the reality. It is hard. It is hard. And sometimes as women, um, solo entrepreneurs, solo businesswomen, we feel like we're alone in this. And in some senses we are because it's our business. It's just... I created Talisa Naturals. You have Park's story. In that sense, we are alone in this, but know that there's so many other businesswomen out there who are in a very similar situation um, who will support you mm-hmm. and be a shoulder to cry on and just listen to you because you've done that for me, Megan. Uh, and so reach out. If you're feeling down, reach out if you need advice. Yes. Um, because you need support um, while you're on the roller coaster ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is, yeah, it's a roller coaster. And then 2020 happened and it became an even wilder roller coaster. Um, any last words of wisdom that you should share? I will, I will get, I would just reiterate, you know, persevere, you know, persevere, persevere through it all, be resilient, bounce back, reach that. out, get support, get Resilience. support and you, you will be okay. Um, because yes. at the end of the day, you will be, because at the end of the day, if it is your passion, if it's really what you want to do, if it's really, you're coming from a heart of um, service and trying to help other people and knowing that your product is actually going to make their lives better, whether it be clothing or jewelry or a bath and body product, go for it because you're there helping somebody. 
let's end with that. Just go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to episode three. Uh, we will start hosting guests after that, after this. Um, so if you're interested in joining us or you know somebody who would be a great fit, please send us an email to, um, it is make shop shop podcast at gmail.com make shop podcast at gmail.com um or dm either one of us on our actual instagram accounts um we also try to check the make shop podcast instagram account frequently too but um you can contact us as well and we will start hosting folks so you don't have to listen to just the two of us starting probably next month thank you thank you